Nice. Okay. Sweet. There you go. Wait. Everybody gets a clap. Clap on. <laughs> oh, no, you said more spice to line up. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Reboot Something podcast. My name is Chad Jeffries, and with us today we have Matt Lake, one of our own DevOps engineers. Uh, and we have Scott Dix here, who is uh, one of our solutions architects slash, uh, wait, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of everything, but uh, business development is the name of the game, folks. Yes, yes, yes. So, but, uh, but we're excited to have, uh, have you guys joining us today. And uh, Matt's actually joining us from Atlanta, Georgia. So he supports us remotely, but uh, it was a pleasure to, to have you in today. Yeah, so. great to be here. I'm excited. Awesome. Talking cool. about some cloud and some computer stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. Exactly. We love so. computer stuff. <laughs> trying to take my thunder. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, as Matt said, we're uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the cloud. We're going to talk about um, AWS, DevSecOps, and all the uh, all the things in between. So we're excited to get into the conversation here. But uh, yeah, so Matt, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? That way, I don't have to uh, make up any, make up anything. Yeah, sure. So I've had um, a long career in IT, fixing things that are broke, usually. Because I broke them. That's how you get started with that stuff. Um, but uh, I'm from West Virginia originally. I grew up in Fairmont. And uh, so I'm a native here. Went to WVU two or three times. Uh, so I've got a, a back, large background in a bunch of different IT topics from MIS, data science, and um, software engineering. Um, and then a couple years ago, I had some life circumstances, moved to Atlanta. And um, yeah, now I've had the opportunity to come back and work for Trilogy. Yeah. Um, so... When I was in West Virginia, um, I worked as a um, public sector employee for one of our now customers, I guess, and helped them transition to the cloud. So that's kind of where I got my start. And this was in 2016. Um, they were looking to transition to AWS and Azure and ultimately ended up going with AWS. Um, and I've also had some experience in Azure. So after moving away, um, worked in the uh, private sector for um, Honeywell and then uh, another aerospace startup. And I worked in both AWS um, and Azure for both of those. Mm -hmm. um, so government, private, all over the place. Yep. Cloud, I love it. It is the way. Yep. Um, DevOps is the way. Um, so <laughs> we were joking a little bit ago. I am a, a my official title is senior um, DevOps engineer, but DevOps is a philosophy, not a job title. <laughs> so I'm a senior philosopher. <laughs> uh, you should put that on your LinkedIn. Yeah, that totally. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> when you got like, you know, what, uh, cloud uh, evangelists and all those kind of and folks. So. Gurus. Yeah, and cloud guru. All that's the, right. All the yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. Well, so the waters are going to get deep here on this podcast is what we're saying. We're going to wax deeply about the cloud. So yes. it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> yep. Indeed. Well, um, let's actually uh, first talk about, um, you know, some of the things that you do for um, our clients here now. Um, so gave us some of your background, but, you know, talk to us, uh, you know, kind of about what you do, I guess, in a roundabout way. Yeah. So I am, as a Trilogy employee, supporting one of our partners, Red Hat. Um, <laughs> my, sure. throw it, so I Shout came straight from Red. here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Red Hat is um, working with the, the, same customer that I've mentioned before as uh, supporting their Red Hat products. But a lot of that is um, helping them also transition to the cloud. So uh, adopting some of those cloud technologies and specifically Red Hat 
um, developed cloud offerings that, that are now out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked, I worked mostly um, supporting Red Hat contract and then a lot of internal um, IT operations for Trilogy itself, you know, making sure that we as a company are secure, that we are doing things, you know, eating your own dog food. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, MFA is a very hot topic right now um, in the public sector, especially with the executive order that's been um, published uh year or two ago now yeah it's like it's a hot topic now but it should have been a hot topic about seven yeah. years ago but right. yeah we're, sure we're getting there and getting uh, there. i would say that we are we're paving the way you know yeah. helping folks implement absolutely that stuff, so yeah um, absolutely awesome i think this is a kind of a good segue as uh talking about red hat and cloud technologies and uh with the recent uh rosa you know oh, fed ramp yeah. approved so now that's uh you know kind of getting into the weeds of that and the other day we actually had uh, red hat in for training from Justin Bowman too, that, uh, that went pretty well, I would assume. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was super cool. Um, we had one of our Red Hat um, engineers, Justin Bowman. Mm-hmm. Um, he provided a kind of how to, so everybody out there that does not aware with what Rosa is, that is Red Hat OpenShift on service on Amazon web services. Big mouthful. So Rosa, that's what's <laughs> on the side of the bottle. Um, uh, it is standing up an open shifter, op, open shift cluster, um, on demand, basically push button. I mean, we've playing around today. We were um, kind of ingesting what Justin had taught us um, day before yesterday, mm-hmm. and going through the the labs and standing these clusters. We still have two or three clusters today, mm-hmm. and normally this is an endeavor standing up an open shift cluster. Um, one of my former private sector employers they had gone through two iterations over a period of two years and had not successfully set up the cluster and could not get anybody to migrate onto this platform. Mm. Was so that on-prem? It was, no, it was, it was in the cloud in the too. Cloud. Okay. Yeah, so Great. like it's a notoriously difficult, um, just thing to do because it's so complex, but Amazon and Red Hat partnering together to, uh, develop this product Rosa has been phenomenal. And like today we stood up a, a red, an OpenShift cluster in 20 minutes, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is incredible. Like, I mean, the cloud itself already accelerates your ability to do the thing quickly. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're able to deploy extremely complex workloads simply. I mean, with um, added features for security and um, certificate, you know, certificates management mm-hmm. um, and all leveraging backend AWS services. So you get, um, redundant storage and persistent storage with like S3 and EBS volumes. Mm-hmm. You've ever, you've, um, living in multiple availability zones. Um, you've got things deployed behind elastic load balancers. So like if a service goes out, you know, his buddy gets um, another compute node to get spun up behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you don't have any deprecation of service because it is you as a consumer or a, um, somebody who's using the service just sees that endpoint. Right. So what's yeah. behind it? Like you don't care. You know, that's an interesting question or, or thought, you know, if we're going to get philosophical for a second. But yeah. it seems like, you know, when the cloud came along, it was an abstraction layer, right? On top of, we don't have to deal with hardware anymore, right? This is just, we just deal with the services sort of at a philosophical level, if you will. We don't have to babysit the hardware. And it feels like it just keeps layering on top of things. Do you feel like as we continue to do this, right? I mean, as someone who has lived open shift, lived that life and felt all of the, the goodness and the, the not so goodness that comes with it, adding this next layer of Rosa in between, like another abstraction layer on top of that, do you feel like it's important that you still understand what's going on behind the scenes or is it less important? Is it Does it really just work oh, these days? 
That's a hard question for me to answer. And I ask that about people who are looking to come into the, the industry, you know, knowing how tough things used to be across all fronts. I mean, it didn't matter what it was, but now it's getting to the point where, like you said, you can spin up an open shift cluster in 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, what does that mean for, for folks that have 20 years of experience coming up through? Yeah. So I, I think, um, so somebody who's coming up through, if you're afraid that this is like going to take your job, that's ridiculous. There's plenty of work out there to be had. Um, we're hiring. So uh, just call <laughs> check, me. check the website, <laughs> DM me on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> so shameless plug. Um, have to, I, I don't think that, um, so it's, it's double-sided, right? It's extremely easy. Um, I also think you need to have a level of respect for it. Um, and understand conceptually what the components are underneath of it. But where the ease comes in is not, no, it's no longer having to actually um, care and feed and manage and curate all these components underneath of it, right? You don't have to like, you're not doing yum updates on servers so that they get the proper patching level. That's kind of all that's handled. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not what you need to be worrying about mm -hmm. because as a business who wants to use this service, you know, mm -hmm. as it's wanting to accelerate themselves you need to care about what it is you have in front of your customers, mm -hmm. not patching servers and being, have all these security <clears throat> compliance things. Like that's not what you care about. Like that runs your business, right? You should at a business like fundamental level care about those things. But as far as what you're delivering to a customer, you need to be able to, you can deliver the best product possible as fast as possible because somebody else is out there doing that also. And you need to be ahead of them. Right. Right. And automation throughout any industry really has freed up the capacity for exactly. more right. work and in innovative spaces. So, you know, right. And to go yeah. back into that, the, the philosophy angle of things, you know, as we free up, you know, trilogy mm -hmm. time, for example, or yeah. as our customers free up time all the way around, we get to take the, the part of us that's uniquely human, right? The creativity, the, the ability to sort of make this thing do what it's supposed to do, do it faster, do it better, do it more efficiently, to update workflows, which really, you know, that can't be automated yet. We're at a point where yeah. that human creativity, that is the premium. That's the, the special thing. And quite honestly, when we talk about, you know, Trilogy, one of the things that impressed me most as I came on board a year, year and a half ago is how innovative many of our thinkers are outside of it. We're talking about designing systems. Again, these aren't necessarily the guys that are doing the M updates on systems. They're thinking big about how this happens. Yeah. And so would you say that, you know, uh, Rosa, for example, frees up some of that, that oh, gray matter? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because you're no longer having to architect a lot of these like micro components, you know, work together to make this thing work. Mm -hmm. You can see, you know, how you can help build that application better, you know, develop automation, um, in other parts of the business that helps processes improve. So Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I get that. You know, it, it was funny. We were at a, an event last week uh, with health and human services and almost without exception, every single CXO, whatever title they had, um, you know, really spoke about people and culture. You know, the yeah. tech itself used to be the focus because it was challenging. It was hard. You know, getting these things stood up took years sometimes to work all these things out and get things working smoothly. Well, now um, that things can be adopted quickly, it's a very different game, you know, and it, it's really one of getting people to come along. And do you find that sometimes in your job that you have to help people see, like, because we're adopting things, um, you know, kind of get them bought in on things, or is that not such a tough thing with some of the customers you're working with? It can be scary. Um, this is not your mom and dad's data center anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, it is, it just, it's a paradigm shift in how you need to think about what it is you're working on. I was raised in an environment where you've got servers, they're physical servers, I could walk downstairs and touch them. 
you know, this cannot die because if it dies, someone could get hurt. And that's, yeah. that's not, that's bad. Right. Um, but the servers that I build right now, I, I don't care if they die because it takes two seconds to spin up another one. It's too easy mm-hmm. to, to get another one. Right? right. So, and that adds additional, um, an additional level of like comfort to me because if it fails, like, I know that the service is still going to be up because there's another one coming right, right behind it. Right. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it is. So yes, I mean, it is a, um, it's, it's a different mindset. So transitioning to the cloud is a hard problem for, and especially for organizations that have been building their companies over years and years and years and years. But I will say that it is possible. Yeah. Um, you need to just be open to it. Um, that's why we're here. That's you know, right. that's what I'm here to help you with is to provide um, the fastest, the cheapest thing that, that can stand up and make your business grow. I mean, uh, in business, you know, it, whether it be public sector or private sector, whatever it is, you have a thing you need to do and you have to put it somewhere. And I mean, I think the cloud is where you can do that. Well, yeah, all, all of that stuff happens simply. It can happen quickly, even though it is a paradigm shift for people that are working on-prem and the, the resiliency the failover, the yeah. disaster recovery, all is just an added benefit um, really because is. it's much easier to achieve in the cloud, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, I should probably give some creds. I am a solutions architect as I well. I was going to say. <laughs> but, uh, so I can speak the language a little bit, but there, there are levels to this <clears throat> game for sure. And you know, even having stepped out for just even a couple of years at this point, um, I watch things just skyrocketing. I mean, it's going so fast yep. that it, uh, it's almost intimidating to want to even dip a toe back in yeah. well, because how quickly it goes. You but. don't go fast and... <laughs> you That's got, it. You and I do want to go fast, which yeah. is why, you know, I'm so appreciative of our, our trilogy team mm-hmm. because man, it's like everything it's greased rails everywhere that we go. And it just feels so good to be a part of it. Uh, you know, some, a machine that runs so smoothly. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot, of, like you said earlier, a bunch of smart guys, smart yeah. and gals yep. that are out here, um, doing great work. And, um, all just like really happy to get along and work together. Yeah. And that's really, you'd mentioned culture. That is um, a big part of it. Cause I've worked in places where it's almost cutthroat and I don't get it. Why what is that? Yeah. What is, and, uh, you yeah. know, we're all doing the same thing. So yeah. um, if I mess up, I want you to tell me. And if yeah. you mess up, like we should be open enough to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Shoot. I should fix this or, Oh, I could do this better because that's what it's all about. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and just that- learning and growing and getting better. It, it, and that culture expands internally too. It's one of those things where we want to partner with, you know, our partners. Um, you know, we don't necessarily see them as competitors. It's like, I think Scott uh, claimed the term competimates. Uh, well, it, I heard it from, I borrowed it from someone <laughs> else. You borrowed it from someone <laughs> yeah, else. Somebody <laughs> said frenemies and I heard competimates. I'm like, I like that better. Yeah, competimates. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, it's kind of the same philosophy where it's, you know, it's not just the internal culture that we speak. It's like, how, how do we, you know, exemplify that uh, in, in, partnering with great companies, yeah. third, third party service integrators, for example, and, uh, and other companies that are like trilogy in a way and, you know, combining that, that manpower and that expertise and really <laughs> yeah. Captain Planet with our powers combined. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's funny you say that since, this, since we have absolute permission to go philosophical here and I'm just going to keep going back. <laughs> yeah. You took one it of, there, Matt. One yeah. of, for any of us that have worked in any, at any level of any organization, I don't care what kind of business you're in. One of the most gratifying things that I think a human being can experience is uh, accomplishing something that's really challenging 
that is not easy, whether that's on your own. And I would argue that doing something as part of a team where you're all lifting something that you could not do by yourself and achieving that. And I'll just use, for example, you know, one of our customers uh, is uh, FBIC, just we, we can at least say that. Yeah. And we support their NCIC uh, program, yeah. big program. Uh, it takes a lot of lifting. I mean, there are tons of people, not just Trilogy. It's a lot of people mm -hmm. um, making these systems work and making these systems go. Um, but watching the transformation over the past couple few years oh um, to go mainframe to cloud. It's crazy how much they've advanced into the, the cloud out of being a mainframe shop for so long. Like it, it literally blows my mind every time yeah. I walk in there and talking to folks. I'm like, wow, you're, you're doing the thing. This is crazy. Yeah. Like, you're good. This is great. You know, then that's how we make that system. And you know, better. I'm talking, yeah. I was listening to, so Miles Kelsey is our CIO here at uh, Trilogy. He was, you know, it plays an instrumental role uh, alongside multiple other Trilogyers. Is that yep. the word? Yeah. I think it is. Trilogists. Um, trilogists. That's great. <laughs> Sounds very good. Um, but he was talking about how, how close, and it, it, when we say close, it could be years, mm. uh, to unplugging that last machine yeah. in inside the walls. And I just can't even quite wrap my head around it. This is a, a legacy system that's been around since when? 60s, 70s? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you say a couple years being close, like this is a thing that's been plugged in and running since the 60s. That's, that's what, right. well, what, 60 years ago, 70 years ago? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been cranking. That's a while. Yeah, it's a minute. Yeah. It's a hot minute. It predates me by yeah. quite a bit. And uh, to think about pulling that plug and having this thing running fully in the cloud is just absolutely blows my mind. And the fact that we're doing it at multiple places, right? We, we literally just encountered this at, a, at another event where we talked to somebody and said, oh, we just tried that and we failed. Mm. And we're like, man, you know, that's amazing that our, our scrappy little company is playing an instrumental role in that. Yeah. And so we were asked to provide our own white paper. In fact, our CTO, yeah, Craig Molina, brilliant guy as well, um, is basically, his whole job is to say, hey, this is what we did. This yeah. is how we did it. And, um, you know, we're really going to share that. We're going to share that with a, with uh, someone who's not our customer because we want to see them succeed. We want to, of course, anybody in the public sector, we just want to see them succeed. Yeah. Um, but it's wild that we get to help tell that story mm -hmm. and that we're still moving so many systems across the Fed space from mainframe COBOL yep. to cloud native, yep. fully yep. cloud native. Yep. Yeah. It's wild. And it's, and it's crazy to think about all the newer contracts that we've had and uh, just seeing how far behind they are in comparison to, you know, yeah. I see just for example. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of says it speaks a lot, I think, to uh, just the amount of talent that's in this area. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, really and is. it's it's great. West to see Virginians so get it done. Yeah, West Virginians <laughs> get it done for sure. <laughs> so it's a yeah. And it speaks to the agency as well. You know, the, yeah. it's the culture of the agency. They made the choice to move. Mm -hmm. uh, they asked for people to do it. And and, and we stepped up alongside many of our competitive mates out there in the in the space. It's not just Trilogy making it happen. Yep, yep. yep. So in terms of uh, cloud providers, we obviously yeah. have multiple. It seems like uh, AWS is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. But uh, I guess from your all's experience, um, is there one that's you know maybe more preferable or, or I guess uh, tasteful for for the government? And yeah, what, what's your what's your experience been um, with uh, cloud I'm, providers? I'm curious. Well, you know, here's the thing. I'm a slippery fish, so I'm going to be that way. And, but to be blunt, I mean, I can joke about it all I want, but there are spaces, there are places in each of the providers that offer incredible value. Some of it depends on the choices that an organization has made. Yeah. Yeah. If you've gone in as a Microsoft shop, the integrations that are already built into the Azure platform, which is a solid platform. I've, I've had limited experience, wrote some Terraform in Azure yeah. and then supported it at a, at a previous uh, posting that I was in as well. Um, you know, they've got a good product. Google is interesting. They have come third 
And they've learned from a lot of the challenges mm -hmm. that I, I won't necessarily say mistakes. I mean, everybody's doing the best they could, right? You're figuring this stuff out and it's never been done before. Yeah. And so Google has kind of watched it and said, well, you know, we see how this is going, but we're going to try a slightly different way. So they've got a novel way of handling things. Um, they had a narrower, at least out front, a much narrower uh, scope of offerings that they had. They didn't have a ton of things that what they did, each one did it really well. And so that was a, a unique offering. Azure, I think was expansive. They came out and they really offered a ton of things, did the best they could with that to sort of match AWS. And of course, AWS, man, they just, uh, wow. You know, they were the first one. S3 was the first public service yeah. I believe that they offered. Yep. And I remember hearing about it. I'm like, What's that? That sounds yeah. that's storage. No big deal. <laughs> what, what was that? It wasn't like a mega, mega storage or I can't remember what it was back in the day. It was one of those free file share services. Like, why do we need this? We got Dropbox. We got these, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but S3, well, Dropbox runs on S3, but, um, you know, the thing about Amazon is the the incredible flexibility. It is Linux based for so for any shop that is, that leans that way, which is really every shop I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, it just seems like, you know, if you speak that language, AWS maybe comes a little easier and then Google too. But um, honestly, they're all, they all have a place, but I have, a, I have quite, I have a thought about multi-cloud later, but I'll, I'll turn that one over to you. Okay. What do, you do you have so a preference? I am it's interested to hear, hear your opinion on that. Um, so I, as far as I'm concerned, they're all about the same, um, but you hit a lot of points that I was going to make. So um, AWS is a lot of Linux, but Everybody's Linux, right? So even Microsoft, oh, absolutely. You know, they've made a massive improvements in the last number of years over yeah. um, open source contributions, and like they, they have Huge. GitLab now. Like it's phenomenal. So I use Windows 11 at home. I've never mm -hmm. done that. I'd spent decades, like, <laughs> like basically denouncing Windows yep. for development stuff. <laughs> yep. And now I use Windows 11 at the house. And uh, I'm Windows on Mac OS, Linux. but I develop in Visual Studio Code. Exactly. I use VS Code. It's for amazing. Everything now. It's, it's fantastic. Amazing. All I do is get push, get, get pull. I've got Done. all my extensions. It's it's beautiful. Yep. Um, it's too easy. It's and light. they gave that to us. Yeah. It's it's open source. You can yeah. go do. You Phenomenal. can go add things to it if you want to. Contribute. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, <laughs> squirreled a little bit there. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So which one um, is the best one? <laughs> oh, so yeah. So they're all about the same. I think. Um, they, you're right. Google is a little, not wouldn't say behind, but they do have a much um, narrower scope of offerings. Yes. And they're what they do have is very, very good. Mm -hmm. um, so like their Kubernetes, uh, Kubernetes integration is excellent. Like they invented the thing. So I would expect that from them. Um, the, but my I, personal opinion is I lean more towards um, AWS because it does have such an extensive list of offering and they all work together really, really, really well. In yeah. um, some of the more complex things, um, even like SageMaker and like all the um, artificial intelligence stuff, like they've got big space in that. Like mm -hmm. you can use the tools that are in the house with Alexa, right? You can build your own application mm -hmm. that leverages the technology that Alexa is built with. Right. Um, I'm glad that we didn't hear like yeah, we don't have one of those. Yeah. Right. Hey, Google. Okay, like, um, everybody be quiet. Yeah, everybody hide your microphones. Um, but the, the Microsoft space too, they have really good integration with the Office mm. Suite, um, yeah. with Active Directory, which is absolutely 110% dominant in the, any industry. And like, will um, continue to be. And it will continue to be. I mean, it's a fantastic product, especially since they've gone to Azure AD. Uh, I love it. Um, I, I can't sing praises about it more. Um, mm because I, I did not enjoy managing Active Directory directly. So Amen. thank you for this SaaS offering. So, um, yeah, but it, it even at, at that level, um, you know, these um, each of these cloud 
service providers work well together. So you could have distributed workloads in all the clouds. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if DynamoDB is better for you and you like the way that um, the virtual machines are spun up in Azure, so you can use an AWS DynamoDB and, and run yep. your workload in, or your VM workload in, AW, um, in Azure, excuse me. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And they'll give you directions on how to do that. Right. Um, they just want you to do the best thing that's good for you. That's right. Um, I mean, that's how I feel too. And I think that's why I'm, I've ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think they're all about the same, but um, I do prefer AWS. It, depending on what it is, they can be a little bit cheaper. Um, like it, just like minute to minute EC2 mm -hmm. insert virtual machine costs and stuff. Sure. Little things like that. But um, I think Google is actually probably the cheapest of them. And no, when I say cheapest, it's not like you're saving a bunch of money. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, they're all right there. <laughs> right, right. In the federal space, they have an interesting thing. This is more on the business side. Uh, and I'll be curious to see how all of this plays out. You know, Google, because they are, are coming up and they're coming up fast and coming up hot, um, they've offered a slightly different uh, pricing model only because, or a slightly different way to pay because of the way that the federal government buys services. And so the fact that they're willing to come in and say, I don't know, I'm just gonna make up numbers. You, you know, how much cloud do you think you're going to use this year? And you say, well, I think we're going to use about this much. And they say, great. And maybe that's a million dollars worth of cloud for a government agency. Um, and then you get to the end of that year and you just, that's what you paid. And if you go over, you don't have to settle up. You just go into the next year and you expand the next year. And that's that's not a bad model. Mm. Um, and I say that that's kind of unique because I know that traditionally, um, it's not a knock against AWS or, or Microsoft. It's just really hard for the government yeah. to buy cloud services because the government prepays for stuff mm. and they don't really do a utility model yeah. on those things. And that was kind of the hang up too. Originally when we started migrating stuff to yeah. um, AWS is that they weren't comfortable with this. Like we mean you pay as you go. Like, no, you only buy like yep. what you need. Right. Like, that's it. Like you want to spend 10 minutes on a VM, like you pay for 10 minutes. That's it. But and they're used to having these like long year long contracts, right. Yeah. With millions of dollars. And you may still end up spending that, but it's it was difficult for them to understand or like kind of initially wrap their minds yeah. around allocating the funds to be able to do that. So there was a lot of like internal, yeah. like really interesting internal business development um, within the government at the time to like figure out how to pay for these things, yeah. you know, because they'd never done it before. And honestly, I love the the pay-as-you-go model. It's phenomenal. It works. Yeah. And in the private sector, no-brainer. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's literally legislation. It's just how the government has right. to pay bills. But they, they, you know, there are ways around that, uh, working through resellers and things like that, that they make it that path like butter, right? And they get better negotiated prices. There's all kinds of good things there. But uh, it is just interesting to watch how this all plays out in the federal space uh, as it unfolds. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the, the trends that we saw, if we're going to talk about cloud here a little bit in a different way, was... You know, a few years ago, uh, the word multi-cloud became a buzzword. And I'd be really curious to hear what your thoughts on multi-cloud. <laughs> so define multi-cloud for me. For yeah, so um, a lot of folks were saying um, that the idea behind multi-cloud was, or is, if you're, you're still kind of playing that game, that you need to diversify across multiple clouds. And that you need to, I'm, I'm not sure why you need to diversify mul across multiple clouds, but um, that you should be leveraging Azure. Maybe, maybe it's cost efficiency on a singular product, um, but kind of sp not putting all of your eggs in one basket. Yeah. So, and that that's the thing I think that they want to, my personal opinion is that is you're holding yourself back by doing that because you can't leverage some of the, awesome services that are out there in any of the cloud providers um, because you're limited to an EC2 instance or a VM, right? So um, in, in a past life, 
we actually had an entire service built that was using only cloud services. So um, Azure Functions and mm-hmm. um, Cosmos DB. We had a customer that was in a disconnected environment and they were a very large customer um, and they kind of operated the mindset from the 80s. So they wanted us to re-engineer this whole thing and basically build Azure services on Azure, but without Azure services. So we were taking, (laughs) (laughs) so we were taking like Cosmos DB um, and turn it into MongoDB. So we'd spin up VMs um, and we'd install Mongo. Mm -hmm. Um, We would take VMs and install Kafka instead of Azure functions. Mm. So that was extremely hard. So hard. Like it, it was stupid hard because like this was already solved and now we're already inventing the wheel. Was the idea that just in case you needed to move it? Yeah. Well, and so there was, they wanted the ability to move to another cloud or to on-prem, right? So mm-hmm. we thought, we, okay, we, we're going to be smart. <laughs> we're going to deploy this in Kubernetes. So we'd spin up a Kubernetes cluster, which actually helped a lot, right? Because the actual deployment of um the applications and such, they were already, all the applications were already containerized. So that helped significantly. Um, but these infrastructure, these platform um, deployments needed to be containerized. Yeah. And there's plenty of projects out there and there's plenty of like documentation on how to do these. So like we got that. But then moving away from operating in a cloud environment into a VM or, you know, running in a VMware environment or on, um, you know, Daisy's computer under her desk in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Don't unplug hard. that system. It's the key to everything. <laughs> yeah. There is the internet's out there running on somebody's server on her desk from 1995. <laughs> it's not been unplugged. <laughs> that battery backup's going to fail one day. Um, but the, the little things like um, where we get certificates from, where do we get DNS from? Um, the load balancer, like you, in AWS, if I stand up a load balancer, it's click, 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 or a Terraform, like mm-hmm. stand up load balancer. That's not so easy on Daisy's computer under her desk mm-hmm. <laughs> because you, you, there's a lot of other things that go into that, right? Like um, you need actual appliances sometimes yeah. to do that. And then that gets expensive. And then when at that time of the customer, they were you know, trying to also save cost. Um, so it's it kind of just all over the place. Um, ended up moving on to something else, but yeah, I don't, I think they eventually ended up abandoning that project because the oh, yeah. customer realized like, well, maybe we should just kind of like stick with what right. we had um, and modernize their business process yeah. a little bit. I know, I know from my perspective at first, I kind of was like, okay, people are going multi-cloud. They want to, they want to be, have a presence here, here and here. Um, and so I guess this is what we're doing. So we've got to be able to support it. We've got to be able to think smart about how this is going to happen. Uh, but as folks have built in, as the providers have built in tooling um, that makes crosstalk easier, um, makes cross management easier. I mean, in Azure, I believe they have a dashboard now that allows you to manage all three of the major providers. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's fin- it's phenomenal. Yeah. And it's inter- like, wow. it's really interesting to see the level of documentation coming out of each of them for supporting one another. Of, yeah, all the yeah, other stuff. Absolutely. So, but the, the place that always broke down for me was the skills gap. Because yeah. it you know in terms of of it's not that the principles are the same, you know, working jumping from in my experience an on-prem environment to the cloud was a shift but wasn't that big of a shift, right? What you had to learn was where to click what API to talk to, what was the name of the service, what was the price? And it was just, it wasn't that hard, you know, it just took time 
to get there and also adopting the mentality. Um, and I would argue that replicating um, or getting people trained up to be able to be efficient in another cloud yeah. is a spin up time. Yeah. It's not that it can't be done. It can absolutely be done. If you know AWS, you can jump to Azure, you can jump to wherever. It's finding things and finding how to talk to them and learning the quirks of these systems. And yeah, things. there's little things between each of them. Like a, a, a virtual machine is basically an EC2 instance, but yeah, the networking is not the same, right? So AWS considers um, you've got multi-regions and inside of a region is an availability zone. But in Azure, you don't have the concept of availability zone in the same way that AWS does. So some of the constraints aren't the same because they've just called it different words. Right. Um, but it's kind of the same, but yeah. it's enough that you, if you're going to be across all of them, um, I mean, as a business trying to deploy an application across all of them, you're, you're spreading yourself too thin. Yeah. As far as like being That's able to it. deploy and like, and like you said, the skills gap between you need to be able to manage across all these different things. Yep. And understand all those words. And like, I would really have somebody spun up like really well in one yeah. instead of like, yeah. And just I would like, argue that it's, it would be like developing an application and saying, look, uh, you guys are going to write in JavaScript and node. You guys are going to write in Python. You guys are going to do Ruby go. And it's like, okay, what well, can be done? Yeah, absolutely. Right. It can be done. Um, but you know, sort of unifying on a concept does seem to uh, accelerate, I yeah. mean, and, and keep well, things moving. Because then that opens up other opportunities for the, the business to grow, right? Because now yeah. everybody who's writing in um, Node can share all the Node code. And we're not going to get into a debate about like React. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. That's probably another podcast. But, <laughs> but it's, it's... Put it on the list. Yeah. <laughs> but Just talk about it now, I'll clip it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that is an opportunity for... Um, Building the internal knowledge base of yep. the system that you're working on, right? That's right. So and knowledge sharing, you right, know, inside yeah. of it. it's one of the things I love about Trilogy. You know, you hop into a, a Teams channel and people are, you know, sharing. There's a lot of that going on, and um, it's nice to be able to to cross pollinate that way. But if we were all working in different systems and be able to say, well, philosophically, this is how it's yeah. done, isn't it quite as helpful as like, no, you need to go here and do this and make yeah. that happen, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, so in talking about some, you know, our customers, obviously, uh, most of them being, you know, in the federal space, what are some of the big, um, I guess, hangups whenever you're, you know, trying to sell cloud or maybe, you know, a, a, a portion of their service or maybe a new product mm -hmm. because, you know, AWS is releasing new products all the time. So, um, how do you go about, um, you know, selling those products or, or I guess, you know, Maybe a use It'll case of, okay. of getting a, what's that? It'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about culture shifts earlier and a, a lot of that is about creating a sense of psychological safety, right? Yeah. That this is going to be okay. And here are the reasons why um, we've, especially in agencies that are already in the cloud, right? You would think that once you're there, continuing to grow would be easier, but it's not necessarily true um, because it is project specific. It's department specific. Um, there are a lot of moving parts inside of these things and change is challenging for all of us. It's not to some degree or another change is hard. Yeah. And uh, so getting people to feel comfortable with those things is important. I have some other, other thoughts about that, but I'll, I'll let you. Well, you know, bringing in experts or having your people trained to be experts um, goes a long way and trust them. Like you're investing in your people right. to, to do the right thing. Um, trust them. I mean, there are ways everyone gets nervous about the security in the cloud, right? Like, Oh, it's, it's could touch the internet. Yep. That might be okay. Maybe that's okay for your business model. Um, maybe you've got a public facing service you need to, to operate, but there are controls in place that are relatively simple to implement and rock solid. Yeah. 
And and you've got not only yourself behind this, right? So um, a, a lot of customers have always worried about like dis, uh, DDS, so distributed denial of service. And that's not really something that I worry about because I know that if I've got like this one port open and like my service is listening to that, I my security group is going to protect everything else. And if something happens or somebody starts spamming like my load balancer, I'm going to get an alert. ABS is going to get an alert and then they're going to take care of it, right? They're going to go find this guy mm-hmm. and, and take care of business because they don't want us to look bad. And it's like, oh, well, I don't like the cloud because yeah. that impacts them. That's right. So like right. all these services being Yay robust, for shared responsibility right, models. Shared right. responsibility yeah. model. Yeah. It's fantastic, right? So the higher you go up in that pyramid, the better you, you, your services are that's because right. um, you're putting more responsibility on those folks. So that's why, you know, earlier we're talking about um, multi-cloud versus single cloud. When I say go into one cloud, that lets you use more robust services like DynamoDB um, that you just need to put your data in the thing, you know, let somebody else manage it being updated and it being performant and stuff like that. Like there are little knobs you can turn to get some more juice out of the thing, but it, it's really abstract in such a way that like, that's not what you need to care about. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I, I bumped into a, uh, not a customer, but uh, a federal uh, agency that um, basically is trying to do, or I will say tried to do what we have done twice, which is mainframe COBOL to cloud. Yeah. And uh, and we heard that they didn't have a, a good run of it the first time. And we're like, hmm, I wonder what, wonder what happened. And it, it turns out, and this might make not make a lot of sense to some listeners, but they just took all of the code and jammed it through a translator, COBOL one side, oh. Java on the other, and then hoped for it to work. And they were like, you know, we've got a million lines of code that yeah. I was told. I'm like, okay, that that's an irrelevant uh, f- metric yeah. right now. What we need to talk about is the architecture. Yeah. What do the bits and pieces of this code do? Yeah. And can we turn them into micros, little bits and pieces and turn them into things? Um, but there is a kind of, a lot of it does come down to philosophy, the how. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. How are we going to do this? There is more than one way Absolutely. to deal with this situation. Absolutely. Our way, you know, the way that Trilogy has done it twice might not be perfect, but it's proven. Mm-hmm. It has yeah. worked and yeah. it's been our, our SLAs are being met, which yeah. are incredibly short. And if we miss them, we're answering to Congress. Right. It's, it's yeah. no joke mm-hmm. on these yeah. SLAs. And so, um, you know, to hear people sort of missing the boat, you know, if you, as you're trying to sell concepts in the cloud, um, because they're, they're not exploring all of the how and the different ways that that can be done. It can be a little bit frustrating sometimes to watch when it's like, Oh, you know, we might not have the perfect way, but we got a good way. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, like you're breaking those up into different, like what is, what is the thing doing? Right. Mm-hmm. And then breaking that up into smaller things, like the jobs that need to be done. Yeah. And killing the monolith. Those, then it's no longer a monolith. It's not this massive machine that needs to be run. It's a bunch of tiny machines. It's right. like mm-hmm. nanobots versus a going right back press. to what you talked about, where um, if one of them starts getting shook up, is it meeting uh, certain metrics, or whatever? It just takes itself offline and is replaced. Exactly. Like that's the beauty of the you know container orchestration platform, like Kubernetes yeah. or OpenShift on AWS. It's beautiful. Like it handles those things, but you need to kind of re, you know shift how you think about. What is this thing doing? Like, what do I need out of it? Because I don't care about the code. Like, I don't care about the application. I care about what it can do for me, right? Like, I care what what job it fulfills at the end of the day. Because that is what actually matters. So, yeah. 
So let's talk about uh, let's talk about security. I feel like obviously the nature of the data and information that we're dealing with is uh, uh, obviously at risk. So um, let's talk about you know DevSecOps and and just security in general. So uh, one question I have for you is you know get let's yeah, how does here. AWS enable? What was that? <laughs> we'll get my sparkling water. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Trilogy um, sparkling water. <laughs> we'll make sure to clip that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, how does AWS enable uh, organizations to implement uh, DevSecOps uh, workflows? Well, um, since you can do things so much faster, it allows you to create more automation, and more automation is better, right? Because if it's repeatable in you want to keep doing the same thing over and over again, right? Because then it becomes predictable. Um, so I would say that's, that's one of the big things that AWS lends to security is repeatability and writing infrastructure's code so that it is exactly how I said it was the last time I left it. And if it's not, wax it yep. and put it back the way it was, you know? And there's a lot of even tools built into AWS yep. that will do that for you. So even as, if something like... Uh, shifts out of what it's supposed to be for like a minute. It's like, ah, oh, no, it'll put it back the way it was. Yeah. So, so what are some of the tools and services oh, that AWS um, provides for, so develop, configuration for manager, development and yeah. operations? Yeah. So configuration manager is, is kind of a big one. Um, is so that's the, the thing that you can use to say what your machines are going to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, cloud formation is another big one. Um, but I mean, Terraform is another good tool I like to use. Ansible is another excellent tool for configuration management of like um, config files and standing up infrastructure, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but then code pipelines and um, testing your code, test your code. Like there's no reason that you shouldn't be testing your code. We test that live, right? We test <laughs> no, that live? you want to test everything what? before it goes anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you hear of these like... Um, I guess you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Something like live. So some of these, you hear... Um, <laughs> these sexy stories from the big folks like Facebook or Google deploying thousands and thousands of times a day. Mm. Um, and there was a period in time when these folks came into the public sector employees, one, one that I'd worked for and was trying to like sell these concepts like, Hey, this is possible. This is how we do it as Facebook or as Apple. And you can too, because you're the government and you should be this way. But it sounds scary to be deploying thousands of times a day to your production environment. But now take a step back, okay? The, you want to um, make as little change as possible, right? Like when you've got this big monolithic system in place. So like, well, because change is scary. Change is bad. Change just breaks things. So what happens is that we like store up all these changes and we get like this big massive release at the end of the year push, and then we push it at the end of the year and oh my gosh everything blew up and now this is why change is bad mm -hmm. no like do a small one little small change one. watch little it at a time little change watch it yes yeah. exactly exactly you know small incremental improvement and that also um doesn't mean that you're doing it live <laughs> you go straight into production that's not the answer either but you have being able to spin up environments quickly that are exactly what you would expect in production. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that code is tested. You and why test are they exactly the same? Because the environments themselves were coded and deployed in two different places. Exactly. So they're mirrors of each other. Pixel perfect. Exactly. Pixel perfect. Yeah. Like, I may have been doing this for 35 years, but I am still a human being. I'm going to screw something up. I have screwed up a lot. I'm going to screw up a lot. But the better, the more things that I can put into code and make the same every time, like... 
I know that that environment is going to be deployed the same way every single time I press play. I'm going to say a dirty word. <laughs> ATO. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, a lot of times in, in government, people are afraid of the ATO. It's actually a, a great process, right? It, it forces us to go through a, a very long list of controls and make sure that all of those boxes are checked. Now, previously, when we were doing this on-prem, we yeah. would build this thing out, we would get it ATO'd, and then what? Right, because there are physical changes to the systems that are being made. Hard drive swapped out. You know, different things are happening all the mm -hmm. time. Now that we're in the cloud, once something you know to go back to Config Manager, for example, yeah. or some of the AMIs that we may use, the machine images. Yeah. Um, once these things have been proven and vetted, and all the boxes are checked, it is literally etched in stone at that point. And so you are compliant yeah. to the ATO, and you're checking all of the boxes. And so yeah. while you know going through that process can be a challenge, and it's it's a lot to get done, it's actually a really good process. And the cloud complements the ATO process so beautifully. Yes. Yeah, mm. because all that stuff is codified. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a stone today, tomorrow, and the day after, right? That's so right. that that becomes more of like a fluid con a fluid ATO mm -hmm. because it's changing daily based on the checks and balances you've right. got with your code, right? So instead of deploying directly to production, you've got two or three environments that it's going to before that you know and we're in using that, in that pipeline and we're using tools like splunk or uh, inspector or these kinds of things that are already we already have the checks built right we know how to exactly. do it so you just stand these things up and run it again right. and make sure hey are all the boxes checked like we had before exactly and you know that stuff before it goes live that's right so it's okay for it to go live every day mm -hmm. but it's probably two three days behind because it's already gone through all those checks and balances before i would argue one thing and this is an important thing we talk about security in the cloud it feels so wide open like oh my um, goodness it's right. it's on a computer in outer space and anybody can get to it right <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is is the end of the day um people are always the weakest link yep yeah always in security in the security world people are always the yeah. weakest link it's not Azure or Google or well, any Microsoft software is getting rid of passwords, right? Like this is their whole mm -hmm. philosophy is they don't want to have passwords yeah. because people come up with passwords and that's yeah. how <laughs> these big systems That's get right, they're flawed. Correct. We all follow the same yeah. kind of premise. Like that's this right. is a dog's password, name. But now I'm going to write it down. <laughs> so now I'm going to pick that's it up right. off your post-it and write it into your computer. Exactly. Yeah. If it doesn't end with one, two, three, bang, uh, it's not even a password. <laughs> yeah. <to> me, so. <laughs> Oh, geez. So, so how does AWS provide some visibility and control to the security of, you know, the application development lifecycle? Oh, so like Tons. through your um, code tools, like um, code pipeline, code build, um, inspector, uh, uh, guard duty is another another service yeah. that they offer that like kind of just keeps, gives you visibility into things. And when they change, you can configure them to provide notification or mm. to fix it. Like maybe you don't want to be, I don't care. I don't want to wake up at three in the morning because Bob changed some config file. Change it back. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to talk to Bob tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. Or when I get back from vacation, right. you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very different situation, right? I mean, there were so many, uh, I'm sure you've had many of them too, where, um, you get the call at 7 p.m. Oh and then you're up so for so long. You're awake. You're tag team with somebody else. You sleep for a couple hours and then I'll sleep for a couple hours. And you're just pounding on these problems, right? Um, these on-prem issues with these servers. And, uh, and that was the biggest thing for the cloud. Once I learned how to automate um, and sort of codify things in a way that they couldn't be changed or that they could, but it would roll back if a yeah. problem was found, um, it was a game changer. I haven't had an overnighter um, that I didn't want to do um, for quite some time. It was usually dead, you know, they're deadline driven now, which is different. Yeah, that's 
That's a very different situation yeah. rather than something that drives you because something breaks and you've got to show up and be there until it's fixed. That's not a fire, right? Like, right. I, I don't want to be a firefighter. Hmm. No. I want to be a philosopher. <laughs> I want to be a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> well said. That's great. Um, so does, does AWS um, integrate with other like security tools? Um, like vulnerability scanners, I guess. Uh, what what is that? S E or S I E M? Some um, tooling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So some tooling. So do they make it kind of simple? Yeah. They, yeah. The short answer is yes. Every cloud provider is really just computers, API interfaces, direct yeah. interfaces. It's the same as everything. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, for uh, for example, a, a Splunk shop. That's a third party tool yeah. um, used for you know data collection and, and logging and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, the ability to, you know, for example, if we were, everything's going serverless these days, everything's going containerized. Yeah. Um, back in the day, it used to be agents that were installed on servers yeah. and things, but. Sometimes you can do that. Sometimes, I mean, it just yeah. all depends on the Different ways of the to thing. do it. Yeah. But you can, you can take something that is not at all related to AWS and point it at those services and have it watch. Hmm. Right, yeah. all the way down the line. And it doesn't matter if it's AWS, any cloud provider yeah. um, is set up to be able to do those kinds of things. If, yeah. it, if it computes, we can generally integrate external tooling. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. I mean, because at the end of the day, like they are all, they are all about, the, about the same thing. Yeah. Right? S3 is object store. Um, Blob. I mean, it's just, a, yeah, it's yeah. just an object storage place. Um, now where they get nitpicky is like, oh, I'm like, Sub ten milliseconds, like I'm sub five five milliseconds. <laughs> That's fast. <laughs> Either way, right. but all these tools, um, they work generally just about anywhere you could plug them into. Yeah, I would say yeah, because they're all API driven, and that is another really important thing. Is that all these things are, all these applications, if you um, built with like RESTful APIs, that you can yeah. talk to them and get them integrated with other things. So, yep, yeah, it's phenomenal. We're it's a new world, Chad. It's a it new is. World. It is. <laughs> And it's always changing. <laughs> <laughs> and we're hired. We need your help. Yes. <laughs> help us embrace the change too. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I think this was a great conversation. Do you guys have? Yeah, any? I had fun. Yeah. I'm jazzed. I'm like, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, I feel can like I can work with you guys again? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, do you guys have any any final thoughts? Anything uh, maybe you want to speak to uh, customers about? Um, you know, is there anything in general, maybe for somebody that's trying to break into, uh, you know, cloud technologies, any recommendations hmm. for those folks? Uh, you know, I mentor a few people uh, in, in cloud and I watch them come through this. And I will say that uh, <laughs> the, the quick short answer is just do it. Right. So yeah. many, so many folks are like, well, what should I, what should I study? What should I do? What should I do? Yeah. And, uh, and the answer is, um, find the thing, the broadest thing that, that sort of applies. I know in AWS world, I, uh, have a solutions architect associates certification. Um, it's not the easiest certification, but it's not, it's not that hard. Right. I mean, it's, it's the, you gotta work the, for it. You gotta work for you gotta it. You know what you're talking about. A lot of content of uh, and it's, it covers the whole spectrum. Yeah. And Microsoft has a version of that. They Actually, they've got really great programming and, and education tools that'll get you there google has great really great programs all yeah. the three of them do and i'll say they even have like um online courses that walk you through and, and red hat too um they mm -hmm. all have right a free like available courses you yep. can take yep. online to go through these and so I, I would always argue and i would love to hear what you think about this as well to pick that general 
the, you know, like the SAA, right? The, the Solutions Architect Associate is a very general certification, but it's deep. It's not, it's no joke, yeah, right. right? You got to know it, but there's one for every cloud that's out there. And yeah. if you have a proclivity or a, a pull to one, um, grab it and go. And, uh, and don't, don't hesitate on that stuff too much or overthink it um, because you'll, there's always more to learn. If you wanted to get a solutions yeah. architect associate, or you wanted to get a, a develop, go the developer track or something like that, it doesn't really matter. They cross over so much. Uh, it really just depends on what you're drawn to. Um, but don't overthink it. Uh, dive in. The tool, the education is relatively inexpensive. And I'll tell you what, those particular certifications uh, really are of benefit if you're looking to break into the market. Yeah, mm -hmm. because, I mean, absolutely. It's not easy. Like it's possible, but yeah. when you come out of that on the other side, you know what you're talking about. You know it. Yep. I've got my essay too, and I studied mine off for it. And yes, I mean, and I was good before, like, I, I'd been doing this for years and I still had to study, and it was still difficult, but yep, it was worth it because the process of actually studying and doing that stuff teaches you more, too, right? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say is just, um, I'll throw my two cents and it get out there and do the thing, um, find a problem, um, that you want to solve? I don't know. Like, I want to build a website. Like, okay, well, how does that work? Yeah. Google is your best friend. Oh, I, <laughs> I've absolutely. forgotten more than I know right now. And I always learn more because I'm like, how do I do this? And Google, like, if, I will take somebody um, who is just naturally curious yes. um, and willing to learn. Those are like the little, those are the two most important things That's to it. me when, when I'm hiring somebody is that you are curious and you're willing to learn. Like, get out there and do the thing. Like, I want to see you jump in the ditch with me and start digging because we're going to do this together. But like, you really have to want to get there and get dirty to do it. Yeah. And, and I remember we were interviewing somebody the other day and yeah. you gave them, you know, just the, the most basic example of what they could do to apply what we were talking about. Yeah. And I, it, it may have been Linux. I, f I forget exactly what um, it was, or it yeah. may have been in, in relations to the cloud, but you know, just taking something relevant in your life, taking that data and then taking what you learn from these classes and actually applying it for pretty cheap too. So, yeah, I mean, some of them are free. Some of them you can put some money into, um, I'll plug cloud guru. Cause I think that's what <laughs> no, I did. Awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you get, um, like sandboxes to all the clouds yep. and video and right. self-place classes. Like I love cloud guru. Used to be, uh, I was really Linux hoping you, somebody was going to slam dunk that right. cloud <laughs> guru. So I did both courses. I did the full cloud guru mm. and then they changed the exam. Then I jumped to Linux Academy, did the whole, yep. I kind of rocketed through that one because it was the same material basically. Yep. And then Cloud Guru bought Linux it, Academy. Yeah, so now, they're they're the same. now they're the same, but uh, both of those were phenomenal. I mean, I mean, all told, if you watch every video at 1X and you do every lap, you're in for at least 120 hours of material oh, at least, yeah. um, just to do that kind of stuff. And um, checking in on, on your quizzes, making sure that you're up to date and things like that. And I remember I took my test and uh, I took it in Las Vegas at Amazon reInvent. Oh, nice. Which was awesome. So you got to go to the arcade oh, oh, it was amazing. Cool. I go there. And I remember feeling so antsy the whole time, like waiting for my, you know, to whatever. But I think as soon as you took it, you knew whether you oh, passed man. or not. Oh, no. I, I'm not sure. I had to wait a couple of days. It was so nerve wracking. I think yeah. you're right. Because <laughs> I took it three or four years ago, yeah. whenever that was, three years ago. And uh, I, I do maybe I didn't get it. And I was nervous the whole time. I can't remember if I was nervous leading up to it or nervous after. It could yeah. have been both. Um, but yeah, I passed it on the first time. But that was because I did the courses twice. I found mm. GitLab is, or GitHub is full of good notes. Oh, yeah. People like take all their notes and store them on GitHub mm -hmm. for you to review. And uh, so many helpers out there that are, that are willing to help. Truly. Yeah, that's another thing too like um 
I just finished this podcast. It's a Red Hat podcast called uh, Command Line Heroes. And That's a great name. It's a be- It's awesome. It's so so good. I can't I can't sing its praises enough. But it's um, there's nine seasons of it, and each season they talk about a nice. different topic. Um, so I think last season was like cybersecurity. The first one was like kind of the history of open source mm. and compute. So you kind of get the OS yeah, wars. You know, you're like where did um, open source come from? Yeah. Um, one season they talked about the history of programming language. Like I mean, that sounds super boring. No, it's like it's like Game of Thrones. It's yeah. fraught with people like, <laughs> like battling each other. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. And like uh, see was written from B on by like an intern Lex, <laughs> in, Lex like, in like a couple weeks. Was it was Lex Friedman was part of that, right? Oh I, it I doesn't, can't matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. But it, it, that it's guy's like, amazing. Look him up. In like C the C language is in literally everything that we use. Everything mm-hmm. we use. Yeah. And he just did it because mm-hmm. he needed hey, combine these two languages and make sure that it works together and that we can use it in the future. Piece oh, okay. of cake. Yeah. And he just did it. And like never, I'm ashamed that I don't remember his name now, but it's like <laughs> the world is running on this man's work. You're a cloud philosopher. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that, I mean, it's a great, um, great podcast. And th- just, if you're learning stuff, like just find things to get out there and do like, so pick up stuff like that. Like, go yeah. check out command line heroes. Um, Break something. Get your grandma's old computer or your old computer and install Linux on it. You know, try and just poke around and like, how do I change directories? You got to start somewhere. Just get dirty. One of the things I'll add to that, which I think is uh, a lot of people sometimes overlook when they think about tech people, right? It's like, oh, he's techie. He's very, what what is it? Right-brained? I'm not even sure which brain it is. Mathematical line. Right, right, right. right, It's actually, I I would argue that it's the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Um, Technology, whether it's the cloud, uh, and quite honestly, the cloud when it really kind of came to fruition was like the most beautiful canvas that I'd ever seen. The possibility, it feels like walking into an office store when you're like, oh my gosh, all the stationery (laughs) and pens, you know, the cloud was that way for me as well. But, you know, I felt that way about my first computer, my, you know, Gateway 2000 back in the (laughs) nineties. It felt like the world of possibility was open. And if you, if you had any of that in there, just find the thing that tickles your fancy the most and go do that. And if you need help, join a forum. And that, that was hard for me. I was very nervous about interacting with people on the internet, still kind of I'm a little cagey, Yeah, but people will help you. Yeah. And, um, open source is actually a really cool way to get into that. And yeah. open source, you may think, Oh, I gotta be a developer. I need to be a programmer to do this mm. thing. No, not at all. Um, if you just find a project, um, for example, I like to play Valheim. It's a video game. My, my brother and friends, we got like a server running at the house that we all connect to. Um, but, there's a couple open source projects that we um, we use to actually run that that software, and they need documentation, right? Like, so how do I install this on my Synology NAS? Well, there's not directions. I figured it out, so I can write the documentation right. and and become a contributor. Right. Like, that is an excellent way to help because now, since it's open source, someone else can come along and consume that and make it better. Absolutely, I jumped into a. I was just checking out a project the other day called AppSmith, a low yeah. code. Um, open source project went in there. It was kind of neat. It was like a little software thing, almost drag and drop with a little bit of JavaScript and SQL. It was kind of neat and uh, went into their tutorial. And the first thing I saw was a bug and it just popped right up. It literally reported itself to me through their website. And so the first thing I did was jumped over to their, their uh, GitHub page and was like, Hey guys, um, jumped in here to do this. And this is contributing to open source, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here's a screenshot of what I'm seeing. Here was the expected behavior. 
we're done. And they were like, hey, thanks so much. We'll get that fixed. That is also contributing to open yeah. source. Mm -hmm. Because now somebody else doesn't have to experience that problem. It's small. And like just that incremental change, we're going back to this iterative mm. development thing again. Yeah. And you know, the, that micro change is making the application better. And the yeah. stronger you build it over time, it just does nothing but get better. Better, stronger, faster. That's right. And that's Trilogy Daft in a Punk. nutshell. Daft Punk's Absolutely. Off. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Less trolls, though. Less trolls than way, the internet. Way less. <laughs> Oh man, a lot of people willing to help, which is great. So, well, gentlemen, it was uh, it was great to have you guys on, and thank you so much for listening. Um, we're going to have so many more topics to talk about. This was uh, just skimming the surface. So, um, Matt, next time you're in, we're going to scoop you back and uh, absolutely and, and yeah. dive a little deeper. So, Too cool, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you. But uh, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Clapper! <laughs> <It's a> clapper. <laughs> yeah. Guys, that was super fun. Yeah.